I'm Louise Giulio, Executive Director of AW New York and Global Partnerships here at Advertising Week. And I'm Ruth Mortimer, Global President at Advertising Week. You're listening to the Futures Female Podcast from Advertising Week in partnership with LinkedIn. Each week on the Future is Female podcast, we'll be speaking to female leaders from across the industry. These exceptional leaders, fearless visionaries, and trailblazing executives will share their stories and offer advice to all women in the workplace, regardless of seniority. Thank you for joining us, and please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or your podcast platform of choice. On today's episode of the Future is Female podcast, We'll be speaking with F.A. Babatunde, enterprise sales leader at LinkedIn, on the importance of building your own personal brand and how you can use LinkedIn to your benefit. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, F.A., welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Louise. So excited to be chatting and this will be a really exciting episode. So let's dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career and where you are today? Sure. So I am a sales manager at LinkedIn within our marketing solutions division. And I currently lead a team of account executives and client solutions managers who partner with our enterprise customers to advise them on how to use LinkedIn ads to reach their target audience and grow their business. I joined LinkedIn back in 2015 when we had about 400 million members. We now have over 1 billion members on the platform who are all coming to LinkedIn to connect to opportunity. And working for a purpose-driven company is one of the many things that has kept me at LinkedIn for over eight years now. Wow, amazing. Eight years. That is an amazing tenure. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It's been an amazing place to build a career. Awesome. And as you look back on your life prior to LinkedIn and especially growing up, were there any early signs uh, that hinted that you may pursue a career in marketing and sales? I would say since I was a child, I have always been curious about the lived experiences of others. I'm Nigerian. I was born in Nigeria and my parents immigrated to the U.S. in the early 80s when I was a baby. And while we spoke English at home, I had a really rich upbringing in that I was often surrounded by people who spoke different languages and were from different parts of the world. And when you are a child growing up in Iowa City, Iowa, as I did for a large part of my childhood, (laughs) the last thing that you want to be is different. You just want to blend in. But as I've gotten older, I have become so thankful, Louise, for my upbringing and my parents who raised me with an appreciation for people of different backgrounds. And to me, marketing and sales at its core is about being interested in people. It's about being interested in your customer's experience. It's about putting yourself in the shoes of your client to try to understand the challenges that they are facing. And getting to a solution for your customer or client all begins with that initial curiosity about their experience and their point of view. What an amazing story. I feel like we'll have to do a whole separate episode from Nigeria to LinkedIn. I would love to hear more about that. (laughs) This episode in particular is built all around personal brand. So we talked a little bit about the sales and marketing piece, and I happen to agree it's all about wanting to know people and getting to know the people around you. You know, I think a big piece of this industry and of this job as someone who also sits kind of in a similar role, I'll say here at Advertising Week, can we talk a little bit about 
personal brand itself too, because I think it's also important to get to know yourself through this industry. I think we hear the words personal brand, the buzzwords everywhere now, and we hear it a lot. From your perspective, you know, what is a personal brand? And at what point in your career did you personally start to realize that it's important to have one? And how did that come about for you? A personal brand is the distinct value that only you can bring. It's what differentiates you from others. And I would say early on in my career, I didn't really believe that having a strong brand at work mattered. I assume that working hard, putting my head down and doing a good job would differentiate me. But the truth is in highly competitive industries like investment banking, where I first started my career, being good at your job is often table stakes. You're expected to have a high level of competence or else you wouldn't be in the job. As I progressed in my career, and especially when I went back to business school and studied marketing, I realized that we all have a brand, whether we like it or not. We are all known for something. And when we take the time to be intentional about marketing or building our brand, we are simply helping to create a mental shortcut to help others understand the unique value that we bring. And as I continue to progress in my career, I have found that kneeling your job and delivering exceptional results, first and foremost, coupled with lifting your head up from time to time to communicate the value that you are driving, that is a very effective way to build your brand. Those are some great insights, you know, and I'm sure our listeners are taking note, jotting things down as we go through. But in addition to kind of what we've already talked about, and as our listeners continue to learn and, you know, hopefully build their own personal brand, what's one piece of advice you'd give someone who's looking to focus on building their own? The advice that I would give to someone looking to build their brand is to get comfortable with self-promotion and talking about your achievements. When it comes to self-promotion, it can be hard to do, especially for women. We aren't socialized to talk about our achievements, so it often feels uncomfortable. What can help to get over that hurdle is to understand that self-promotion is often part of your job. It's something that your company probably wants you to be doing, especially if you work for a large global organization. When you self-promote to leaders within your company, they are able to leverage those successes and best practices and scale them globally across the organization. And with many employees working in hybrid or remote work environments, leaders now more than ever need to know what's working and what's not so that they can be more informed about how to invest resources into the right initiatives. I also believe that when we are early on in our careers, too often we discount our own perspective. And we believe that the work that we are doing isn't as important as someone with a more senior title, but that could not be further from the truth. It's often the people who are closest to the front lines who have the best perspective and the best insight into what clients and customers need on a day-to-day -day level. So if you can make that mental switch of self-promotion being self-serving to self-promotion being a benefit to others, it's much easier to do and to carve out time in your day to do it. Agreed. You know, that's something I think that will really hit home for a lot of our listeners. And certainly as I think back to my career and kind of where I've become now, like personal brand and personal promotion in particular is not easy. And you mentioned it's hard, but at the end of the day, we often, especially external facing folks are the ones who know what's going on and really need to fight for our own advocacy just because it's almost like help me help you. Help me help myself. So I'm helping the company also. It's not easy. And I know it is a challenge. And 
from your personal perspective, how do you stay motivated and resilient in the face of challenges or obstacles throughout your career, and particularly as we look towards personal brand? Staying motivated and resilient in my career often starts with how I talk to myself. The internal monologue that we all have in our head is not always kind or helpful. So when I'm faced with a challenge or when I'm starting to feel fear or frustration settle in, I'll often start to talk to myself and ask myself a set of questions in my head to help my brain reframe its thinking. Some examples of questions I've asked myself when I'm feeling really stuck are, do you have all the information that you need, Effie? Who do you know that has faced this challenge before? What do you actually want to happen? And the more questions that I ask and the longer I stay curious, the easier it is to get out of that fear-based mindset where the outcome feels fixed to a more open and solutions-based mindset where my brain starts to identify all these new possibilities. For me, some of the biggest rewards that I've had in my career have come from the times when I have very politely pushed my fear aside and I've proven to myself that I can take on new challenges. Personally, I would have never even thought of reflecting that way or fighting through the challenges. And you mentioned one of the questions you often ask is, who do you know that has been through this? That sparks me to think, you know, what kind of relationships have you built across your career? And how important are relationships as you look towards your career success? Louise, building strong relationships has been the foundation of my career success. I am so grateful for the mentors and the sponsors that I've had in my career. And while we often talk about the importance of networking up, I don't believe we spend enough time talking about the importance of networking across. And there is so much value in doing so, especially early on in your career. When you have a strong network of peers who are in the same functional role or career stage as you, that network can help you develop the skills that you need to succeed more quickly. And it can also help provide much needed support and encouragement along the way. I remember when I began my career in advertising, the people who helped me learn how to write a solid creative brief were my peers. When it was 7 p.m. at night and I was finishing slides for a presentation the next morning, it was usually my peers who stuck around with me and ordered takeout and helped me rehearse to make sure I was ready the next morning. I strongly believe that mentorship does not have to come from people who are more senior than you. Some of your best supporters and teachers can actually be your peers. I agree. And something tells me this will be a theme throughout this season of the podcast. But I think building your tribe and building your inner circle is so important as we navigate and build our own careers. And I completely agree with you. You need your folks behind you and you need your team. In that same vein, how do you leverage these allies to promote your work? And what are some effective ways that you've been able to do this? So leveraging allies to help promote your work can be a very effective career strategy for women in particular. Research shows that women in the workplace often face this unfair gender bias of being seen as less likable when we do self-promote, but also being seen as less competent if we don't. So one way around this is to enlist allies. Jessica Bennett, who is a journalist and author of the book Feminist Fight Club, has written a lot about this double standard. She recommends finding another woman in your company who can help promote your ideas and your brand, and then you do the same for that woman as well. Often this happens naturally. There may be a woman in your office or on your team whose work you really admire, 
And she thinks highly of your work as well. And so you find yourself naturally hyping each other up. But sometimes it does need to be a formal alliance. And a group of female staffers in the Obama administration did just that. They found that they were not always being heard in meetings, so they got together and advised an amplification strategy. If a woman suggested an idea in a meeting, another woman would then repeat that idea and give her credit. What I love about that strategy is that it's a win-win for both parties. Research shows that acknowledging another teammate's work is a great way to be perceived as a team player. Amen to that. I think it's so important, especially as women in the industry, we just need to build each other up. I know there's been a lot of movement around the last, particularly last year or so about hype women and, you know, we are allies and women are so often pinned against each other. And so refreshing to hear stories from you and other women across the industry. As we kind of take it all back to personal brand, what are some strategies that particularly women can use to build their personal brand and help establish themselves as leaders in the respective industries? I'd imagine most of our listeners here are from the marketing, advertising, and media industry, but what about those who may be listening who are not from, from our industry? I may be biased, but I believe LinkedIn is one of the best platforms to leverage to position yourself as a thought leader in your industry, especially now. LinkedIn is the place to be, and we're seeing it reflected in the numbers. We've seen a 24% year-over-year increase in public content shared on the platform. Anecdotally, I'm also seeing more people in my network coming to me and saying, I know that I need to be on LinkedIn, Effie. Please help. And the main question that I get is, what should I be posting about? What type of content resonates on the platform? I often share advice from my colleague, Kelly Schweitzer. Kelly is head of community programs on the LinkedIn editorial team. And she talks often about LinkedIn as a platform of generosity. It's a place to mentor and share knowledge at scale. It's a place to think we before me. And it's so true. The people who are successful on LinkedIn approach the platform with a spirit of generosity. And they tend to do the following four things really well. One, they're sharing their knowledge. They're sharing what they're reading, learning, and doing. And they're coming to the platform with a point of view about the topics that matter to their network and their industry. Two, they're sharing opportunities. They're sharing information about jobs, programs, or other resources that can help people advance in their career or their business. Three, they're amplifying other people's voices. Your LinkedIn posts don't always have to be about you. Some of the best posts on LinkedIn put a spotlight on others. And four, they are great at creating community. They are generating conversation and dialogue, and they're plugging into the fact that LinkedIn's algorithm prioritizes comments, especially comments with blank. The people who have the most engagement on LinkedIn Take the time to respond to comments in a way that creates community. And Effie, what are some tips for growing your network on LinkedIn? Often people think that the goal of networking on or off LinkedIn is to get as many connections as possible. But the quality of your network is just as important as the quantity. So as you are growing your network on LinkedIn, you want to be intentional. If you are reaching out to people that you don't know, it is absolutely a best practice to send a personalized note with that connection request. And when you do, make it clear why you are connecting with that person, show that you've done your homework, and be specific about the ask. 
For example, a woman who I now mentor initially reached out to me after I spoke on a panel. She made it clear that she was interested in learning more about angel and venture fund investing. And she showed that she had done her homework by referencing an interview that I'd given recently on the topic. And she was super clear in her ask. She wanted to know which books, podcasts, or programs that I would recommend for someone just getting started. And I responded, Louise, almost immediately because I knew exactly how to help. I think the more general requests of, can I pick your brain, which visually speaking does not sound like a pleasant experience, but those general (laughs) requests are so much easier to ignore because you don't know how to help. And as humans, we want to be helpful to others. We just need to know how. So be specific, which I think is a very good piece of advice. You know, and in addition to that, what do you think are some key skills that women can develop to be successful in this industry? Oftentimes, I feel like it's really hard for women to talk about these things and, you know, really develop these skills. So what do you think particularly holds them back? A key piece of advice that I would give to women who want to be successful in any industry is to understand that the things that are urgent are not always the most important. And in order to be successful and to have impact in your role, you must develop the skill to know the difference between the two. Urgent tasks feel like they require immediate attention. They are the emails, the text messages, the Slack messages that make you feel like an immediate response is needed now. Urgent things also cause us to be reactive and they tend to make us feel like we're constantly putting out fires. The things that are important, however, the things that will accelerate your career and usually have the most impact to your company often don't have a pressing immediate deadline. Important things also require us to be self-starters, to proactively block off our calendars and to set aside time to get projects done. And so my advice for women who want to succeed is to do the urgent. You have to be accountable to clients and colleagues and you want to be known as someone who is a responsible team player, but also make sure that you are taking on important tasks for your company, as it's usually the important things that we do that drive the greatest results and have the greatest impact for our companies and for ourselves. And lastly, if you don't know what the important priorities are for your company, please ask. Ask your manager or the head of your team what their goals are for the quarter, the half, the year ahead, and make sure that you are carving out time in your day, your week, your month to address those priorities as well. I love that. Urgent versus important. I feel like that is something I will personally implement in my skill set moving forward. So thank you. You mentioned a little earlier about angel investing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I got involved in angel investing and working with startups because I strongly believe that how we invest our money and how we spend our time reflects our core values. And one of my core values is equality. I'm convinced that talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And over the last few years, I've become passionate about helping to close the funding gap that currently exists for female founders. While nearly half of all startups in the U.S. are founded by women, female founders receive less than 2% of all venture capital funding, which is just mind-boggling every time I hear and say those stats out loud. What I love about angel investing is that the capital that you invest allows you to support founders when they're at a critical early stage in their business. 
And so the advice that I would give to founders that are considering launching a startup and pitching to investors is to remember that most investors are betting on you as a founder, not just the product or the idea itself. And your personal brand as a founder, your ability to tell your story will play into your success. A strong founder story can help you raise capital faster. It can help you attract talent as you look to hire. A strong founder story can even serve as a competitive advantage in the marketplace. So as you are crafting your pitch, you absolutely need to nail the customer challenge and how your company solves for it. You need to show that there is a market opportunity and a business model behind your idea. And also, do not underestimate the power of storytelling and how sharing more about your personal why and why you are personally motivated to succeed could help you build trust and create an emotional connection with your audience. Amazing. Thank you, Epi. And thank you so much for this awesome conversation. As we look to close out, what do you hope listeners take away from this conversation? And what message would you like to leave them with? I would say we all have a personal brand, whether we like it or not. In every interaction, email, status update that we post, we leave an impression in other people's minds. When you realize that your personal brand does not have to be left to chance, it does not have to be left to assumptions that people may make about your gender or your race. When you realize that your personal brand does not have to be something that you let other people define for you, it becomes so much more empowering to take charge and own your personal brand. Your personal brand is something that you can and should own and take the time to actively shape. There we have it. Effie, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to our sponsor, LinkedIn. And that's a wrap on our first episode of the Futures Female Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a colleague and leaving us a review on your preferred podcast platform. We'll see you again in the next episode.